Welcome to the Sharon Fitzmaurice podcast. And today it is just me exploring the meaning of life. That age-old question of what is it? Who am I? And is there more to us than meets the eye? In this episode, I will explore our existence, our consciousness. And does it survive after physical death? Whatever your beliefs are about this, I simply ask you to open your mind and your heart to the fact that anything is possible. Is our existence just a physical one? Is there more to our existence than just the chemical and biological process that take place in our physical bodies? Everything that makes us who we are, our thoughts, experience, perceptions and memories, do they just simply disappear after physical death? Today, I'm going to talk about my own work in regard to consciousness, intuition, meditation, self-awareness and life after death. I'm going to share with you some of the research and findings that have been journaled over the years and give you some introduction to the energy beings that we all are. And I hope this may help you to understand and bring meaning into your own life. So Dr. Sam Parnia of the State University in New York spent six years examining 2,060 cases of cardiac patients in Europe and the US. Only 330 of those survived as a result of a resuscitation procedure. 40% of them reported that they had some kind of conscious awareness when being clinically dead. They described the events during resuscitation in detail such as the sounds in the rooms or the actions of the staff and most common of the reported experiences. There was a sense of calm, distorted time perception, flashes of bright light, intense feelings, and a sense of being out of their physical body. Many studies have been done on near-death experiences and Dr. Raymond Moody, a psychologist and author, is most widely known for his research and books. All these findings indicate that human consciousness can exist outside of the physical body. Some scientists treat consciousness as a product of the brain, yet near-death experience provide evidence that there is life after death. Robert Lanza, an expert in regenerative medicine, believes that consciousness moves to another realm after death. He tries to prove this with quantum physics, which claims that a particle can be simultaneously present in multiple locations and our consciousness has the ability to move between them. He sees death as a transition. Albert Einstein said, energy cannot be created or destroyed. It can only be changed from one form to another. If we view the human soul or consciousness as energy, it means that it cannot just die or disappear. The energy of consciousness becomes one with the universal energy. There is now scientific evidence to demonstrate that our consciousness is not a byproduct of our brain, but rather that the brain is simply a tool of consciousness. And when the physical body dies, consciousness continues to exist. 
There are thousands of documented cases all over the world where people had near-death experiences. That is that their physical bodies were pronounced dead by medical professions, often for a substantial amount of time, but later came back alive through miracle or medical intervention and were able to vividly recount what happened to them during the experiences and which was later confirmed to be accurate. An example case was of Dr. Melvin Morse and his patient, Olga Gerhardt. Olga was 63 years old and she underwent a heart transplant because of a severe virus that attacked her heart tissue. Her whole family waited at the hospital during the surgery, except for her son-in-law who stayed home. The transplant was a success, but at exactly 2.15 a.m., her new heart stopped beating. It took the frantic transplant team three more hours to revive her. Her family were only told in the morning that her operation was a success without the other details. When the family called her son-in-law with the good news, he had his own news to tell them. He had already learned about the successful surgery. At exactly 2.15 a.m. while he was sleeping, he awoke to see Olga, his mother-in-law, at the foot of his bed. She told him not to worry that she was going to be all right, and she asked him to tell her daughter, his wife. He wrote it down, the time, and he returned to sleep. Later on at the hospital, Olga regained consciousness, and her first words were, Did you get the message? She was able to confirm that she had left her body during the near-death experiences and was able to travel to her son-in-law to give him the message. Dr. Morse thoroughly researched Olga's testimony and every detail had objective verification, including the scribbled note from her son-in-law. Ian Stevenson, a Canadian-American psychologist who worked at the University of Virginia School of Medicine, pioneered research into reincarnation experiences from around the globe. Some of the stories proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that consciousness is able to transcend into other bodies over lifetimes, otherwise known as reincarnation. Psychologists and doctors from around the world have been documenting cases like this for hundreds of years in medical and psychological journals. I am not a doctor or a psychologist, but in my own experiences, I believe we exist. Our consciousness continues even after physical death. That is my belief, not based on religion, but the fact that I believe energy cannot die. We are all energy. When I was a young child, I could sense, see, or feel energy outside of myself, outside of the physical world. I can explain this now as an adult, but as a child, I perceived it as something that I should fear. It was the unknown. Actually, most children up to the age of five or six years of age can perceive spirit or recall past life memories but they're generally discounted as imaginary stories by adults, unless, like in the case of Dr. Ian Stevenson, whose reincarnation research began in 1960. He worked in the University of Virginia School of Medicine for 50 years. He was also the founder of the University Division of Perceptual Studies 
investigating reincarnation, out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, and parapsychological phenomena. He discovered evidence as he traveled extensively over 40 years, investigating 3,000 cases of children around the world who recalled having past lives. There are also cases of young children having non-assisted communication from people who were deceased. I see the people that are deceased or spirit as outlines or holograms. I feel the energy of them so much stronger, like it was pulsating through me or around me. I heard whispers in my mind. Even as a child, I knew they were not my own words or thoughts. It wasn't until I was in my late 20s that I started to sense, feel or know these presences were around me again. This happened when I started meditating more and allowed my awareness to open up to in my environment what I felt, heard and seen in the present moment. At times I felt like there were so many people around me that I wasn't able to control the energy until, like any practice, I had to set boundaries and learn to open and close my energy until I chose to work or connect to other people's energy living or past. I asked myself, why did I need to hear, see or feel them? And the answer I got was to help others. At that time, I wasn't working with clients doing my therapy work, so I wasn't sure how I was going to do this. But as all things in life, we are guided by our passion and meditation and helping others was mine, which led me to facilitate meditation classes, which in turn led to spirit world being able to channel messages through me to the people that attended my groups. It made sense. All the messages I channeled were of hope and healing. Spirit world knew who was hurting and that they needed reassurance from a loved one in spirit that all would be okay and that they were loved. It also allowed me to intuitively see or feel people's energy in the physical. So as my practice developed, so did my role as a channel for spirit and that I felt they worked through me, not just with their words, but at times through my hands. I always say that I facilitate the healing. I am not the healer. So meditation allowed me firstly to heal and find peace within. It then opened new pathways in my mind that took me on many new adventures. Basically, meditation grounded me in my own power and allowed new insights to flow into my life. Our brain's ability to become flexible and or transition through various brainwave frequencies plays a large role in how successful we are at managing stress, focusing, or even having a good night's sleep. Our brain is a bustling hub of electrical activity. And this is due to the cells called neurons, which use electricity to communicate with each other. When a group of neurons sends an electrical signal to another group of neurons, this is a brainwave. There are many types of brain waves and each have their own frequency. Brain waves 
are measured as neurons in the brain and they fire together in rhythmic patterns. So there's different types of brain waves. Beta is the level for normal waking consciousness and focus. Your brain waves are at the faster beta level when you are engaged in conversation or activity. When you are alert, you can make decisions and solve problems. Usually beta is dominant in one side of the brain. Most women are right brain dominant, while men tend to be left brain dominant. Gamma brain waves are the fastest and smallest brain waves. They are found throughout the brain, and thanks to their frequency, you can experience multiple sensory inputs all at the same time and recall past events. Gamma waves are associated with precognition, processing high levels of information, and a greater perception of reality and consciousness. Top athletes and peak performers often have more gamma waves than others, as do experienced meditators. Alpha brainwave frequency are related to relaxed focus attention and receptive learning state of mind. You experience alpha when engrossed in a book or a film. At alpha, it is easier to change and reprogram your mind to heal. This state is related to focused attention and intuition. Alpha bridges the gap between our conscious thinking and our subconscious mind. Theta brain waves are associated with dreaming, visions, healing, and connection to the unconscious mind. When an energy therapist is sending distant healing, the amount of theta waves increases as the client receives the energy. The client's brain also starts making more theta waves. The mind frequency of children is mostly theta. Their subconscious minds are easily programmed and they have difficulty discerning between reality and fantasy. This is why young children, when they see what we can't, believe it is normal, like seeing deceased loved ones. Theta can help our intuition and creativity. When you are daydreaming, this is Theta mind frequency. At Theta, you have free-flowing ideas and think creatively. You release a burst of theta waves and pleasurable brain chemicals as a reward for learning something new or make a shift in your perspective. You can really put the power of your subconscious mind to work for you when you reach deep alpha or theta brainwave frequency levels. Meditation practice and hypnosis can lead you into deeper states. When your brain waves slow down, there is less interference from the conscious mind. You relax and your mind is more open to healing and manifestation. Delta are the slowest mind frequencies. They occur during deep sleepless dreams. You can also be in an advanced state of meditation during waking delta. Because delta waves are so large, the brain is forced to handle a lot more energy than usual. It has to create neural pathways to accommodate the extra energy. This helps improve communication between both sides of the brain. Delta waves suspend external awareness and are the source of empathy. Healing and regeneration are stimulated in this state. This is why restorative sleep or deep meditation is so essential to our body's natural healing process. 
Through the practice of meditation for over 20 years now, I was developing my brain and creating new pathways known as neuroplasticity and allowing me to work in altered states. A study done by Richard Davidson, a neuroscientist at the University of Wisconsin on meditation, says that it can change the inner workings of the mind and circuitry of the brain. His theory, through advanced brain imagery, embraces the concept of ongoing brain development, meaning we can all change the way we think about ourselves and the world. To me, it is proof that we can go beyond the realms of just the physical world and explore the realms beyond. Different states of consciousness are associated with different brain waves. These altered states of consciousness where the mind can be aware allowed me to see my life with a broader sense and a different perception than my ordinary mind. Thinking through our problems is an important part of healing, but we may end up viewing the problems we face solely with the same mind that helped create them. Altered states of consciousness are sacred and powerful places which reveal that there is more to us and our potential for healing and transformation. Altered states of consciousness that can occur from meditation, mindfulness, out-of-body experiences, intuitive or psychic abilities, mediumship, hypnosis, and your dreaming sleep. Many of my clients have experienced this during deep meditation or when receiving an energy therapy session from me. Understanding yourself, how your mind works, and how energy frequency vibrations can interact and influence each other can help us understand ourselves and the energy we admit. We as electromagnetic beings of energy give off and pick up energy. There is a fundamental need in us to connect. We are always sending out vibrations, which is attracted to the same frequencies. Basically, we connect with others that are like-minded in their beliefs, their values, their attitudes and intentions. Or through altered consciousness, we connect to higher vibrations or spirit as I have done. Many people who work with or on behalf of spirit world call themselves mediums. I have never really been comfortable with this term. This is just me personally. I always say that I am a channel for healing energy in whatever form that takes. There are many different types of mediums that bridge the gap between the living and the deceased. In other words, someone who is able to communicate with souls on the other side. For me, there is only the physical death, our physical body dies, and our consciousness or our soul transitions from the physical being to the spiritual being. And professional mediums are sensitive and intuitive to hear, feel, and see them. The mediums have to raise their vibration high enough to connect to the other side. Remember, we are all energy, and energy vibrates at different frequencies. When we are in the physical body, we vibrate at a lower frequency. And people that have left the physical body vibrate at a higher frequency. So we have to meet in the middle, hence the term medium. We all have the ability to connect with our loved ones in spirit, whether we are mediums or not. 
Spiritual world communication symbols, emotions or images, or they work very hard at trying to get your attention. Some of the examples are fluctuations in electricity. The spirit are energy currents. They can sometimes manipulate televisions, computer, phones, or even cause lights to flicker. Many of our loved ones work through nature to get your attention. Certain butterflies or birds. Sometimes they are showing us signs that we are unaware because we have too much going on in our own minds. We can't listen to them or see them because we're preoccupied. You may have been discussing a certain topic with a friend or family member, and suddenly you find an article on that topic that can help you try to find a solution or give you more information on that topic to help you in your own life. Or maybe it's turning on the radio and you hear a conversation on the exact same topic. Music is another beautiful way that spirit world love to connect with us. You may hear their favorite song everywhere you go, or a certain song has lyrics that almost speak to you, helping you release your grief and not feel so alone. There are so many people all over the world that are not professional mediums, but have abilities that are just normal to them. So they are clear audience. It's the capability of receiving intuitive vocal message from spirit world or higher beings. Clairvoyant means clear seeing mentally or optically to see or know things that others can't see. Clairsentient feeling, the ability to sense subtle energies that surround you. Basically, you feel the energies of others physically or otherwise. Claircognizance, clear knowing. It can be through thoughts or feelings. You just know it. I have all of them, some at different levels and at different times depending on where or who I am with or if I am working in particular with a client or group. I can tell you now that I don't purposely go around all day, every day looking for signs or messages. I live mindfully in the moment as much as I can. And this has increased my awareness or my perception of the people and the world around me. This has helped me to heal from past issues, have less anxiety in my life and helped me to overcome depression years ago. Developing our awareness is not always about being able to connect with spirit. For me personally, it was to open my eyes, my mind and my heart to living the best life possible. And this is where spirit world, your loved ones, want you to do. So many people are struggling to cope, to thrive and for what? For me, the real meaning of life is living today and doing your best for yourself and others in each day. So if you want to become more aware and raise your energy to open your life up to the wonders of this world, of this universe, you can start with small steps every day. Before we can connect to anything outside of ourselves, we must first truly connect to ourselves. Self-awareness means you have a realization of your own personality, your strengths and your weaknesses, your thoughts, your beliefs, your emotions and your motivations. 
Being aware creates an opportunity to make changes in your behavior and beliefs. When you develop self-awareness, your own personal thoughts and interpretations will begin to change, maybe slowly, but this will change in your mental state and it will also change your emotions and increase emotional intelligence. Unlike your IQ, which measures your ability to process information, your emotional intelligence refers to your capacity to process your emotions and the emotions of other people. Our emotional skills strongly impact our thinking and behavior. By knowing how to manage your emotions in positive ways to reduce stress, communicate well with others, be empathic and overcome obstacles, you can build strong relationships, succeed in your profession and make good decisions about things that matter the most to you. Your self-awareness dictates your ability to understand your own feelings and the potential impact of your emotions and behaviors that they have on other people. The more self-aware you become, the more you act consciously and intentionally instead of passively reacting to things that come your way. You will develop strong social awareness and be able to put yourself in other people's shoes to help them, to feel them, to be heard, to be seen and to be understood. Your social skills will improve and you will have the ability to influence others positively. It will help you to be a good leader, manage conflict, help to motivate other people and help to build and maintain healthy relationships both personally and professionally. You will start to embrace change as you learn to manage your emotional reactions, being able to identify the emotions you feel. It helps you manage your reaction by dealing with the root cause. Developing your self-awareness helps you to have a personal drive to improve, become more committed to your goals, and you are generally more optimistic about the future. It also helps you boost your sense of resilience. The more specific you can get about how you are feeling, the more insight you have into the root cause and what you can do to help yourself. So observing your feelings. How are you acting when you have a certain emotion? Do you pause? Do you listen to that emotion? You can learn how to respond compassionately to yourself and others. You can take an objective look at yourself, write down your strengths and weaknesses, keep a journal, write down every day what you noticed or became aware of when you were mindfully observing yourself, what happened, how it made you feel, and what way you reacted. This will help you become more aware of your behaviours and any issues coming from these feelings so that you are learning your emotional triggers. This is a process to work on and develop. Note daily your progress and any insights that come to you along the way. I use the simplest techniques to help my client and groups as they start becoming more aware in how to mindfully observe their emotions whilst learning to quieten the mind and relax the body. It's called BBE, breath, 
body and emotion. You start by gently bringing your attention to your breath, observing it as it flows in and out of your body, doing this for at least five or ten times, getting used to keeping your focus and attention on the breath and becoming aware of how easily your mind can be distracted, but just gently pulling your attention back to your breath. Then slowly you move your attention to your body, starting at your feet, and you slowly work your way up, listening to how your body is feeling, becoming aware of any part that is tense or sore, right up until you reach the top of your head. And then you feel the body as a whole and simply just feel the breath moving in and out naturally. You then ask yourself, what emotion am I feeling? Where do I feel it in my body? If you find it hard to identify the emotion, simply allow yourself to be drawn to an area in your body where it feels tense or uncomfortable. If you could imagine a color in this area, what would it be? Simply see or imagine the color in that area of the body and breathe into it gently. Let the emotion rise naturally to the surface. Maybe you can see the emotion as a thought in your mind. Just breathe into it. And as you breathe out, let it flow. If you do this practice every day to help you, it will help you develop the technique and it will become easier and easier for you to identify what emotion you are feeling and where you hold it in your body. As you progress with your practice, you will slowly and gently uncover the root cause for holding certain emotions longer than others. Here lies your emotional intelligence. Listen to your body. It has much to teach you about how you are feeling and your response to it. I always tell my students the easiest place to start is with your breath. While we are all aware of our breathing to be essential to our survival, but breathing consciously, observing our thoughts and emotions, opens us up to new levels of awareness and helps us go beyond our perceived waking reality and experience the transpersonal the oneness which unifies us all. The way we breathe creates and controls our state of consciousness, which influences our brain waves and in turn the way our body responds to the frequency our body vibrates and the energy in which we emit to others. The level of our consciousness creates our reality. If you are seeking change, set an intention. Align your behaviors with your goals and commit to becoming more self-aware. We can help to open our subconscious mind and create the realities that we want in our lives. Every living thing has an energy field called an aura. It is like a bubble of energy that surrounds us. The field both influences and responds to the physical body, thought forms, past life attachments, beliefs and patterns can affect how a person functions. The color of our aura is impacted by our health, physically, mentally, 
emotionally or spiritually. What we spend our time thinking, viewing, doing and believing all have an impact on the quality of our aura and our lives. Our aura is part of an energetic signature, a source of energy and contains information about our life plan for this incarnation. There are different layers in our aura. The first level of the aura is called the etheric body and exactly mimics the physical body, including our organs. It is connected to our root chakra, which is associated with grounding, our will to live, our ability to thrive, and basic survival issues. The second level is the emotional body associated with feelings. The colors here reflect our mood. This level is associated with our sacral chakra, which is connected to our sexuality, giving and receiving pleasure, our emotions and creativity. Our third level is the mental body and vibrates at a higher level. It contains the structure of our thoughts and ideas. It is connected to our solar plexus chakra, governing our perception of power, will and knowledge of our place in the world or the universe. Our fourth level is the astral body. Much of the energetic activity between people takes place from this level. The heart chakra is connected to this level and governs our openness to life and how we love ourselves and others. Our fifth layer is the etheric template. It is essentially like a photographic negative of the first level. It is the layer where sound creates matter and is connected to our throat chakra, which helps us communicate. The sixth level of our aura is the celestial body, the spiritual dimension of emotions exist. This is the levels we experience oneness. The third eye chakra connects to this level and helps us to focus with clarity and to have a beautiful inner vision. Our seventh layer is the causal body and the mental level of the spiritual plane. It is like a golden web of light. This layer connects to the crown chakra that connects us to our own divinity, allowing us to be open to inspirational ideas from the universal consciousness. I believe the more we learn to understand ourselves as spiritual energy beings living a human existence, we can start to comprehend our reason for being, the bigger picture, and that life is for living fully and joyfully. Our purpose may not always to get more or do more. From my many years of experience in my own life and my work, the messages from spirit have always been to love yourself, love others, show kindness and compassion to all, to go out and do what fills you with passion and help others to help themselves. We don't have all the answers, but the fun is in the learning and being curious every day. As I received a message today from my beautiful spiritual guide, Ella Pedro, simplicity and love is the feeling that I felt. And I know always that my spirit guides have always said to me, keep it simple. We complicate things first in our minds, 
then in our hearts and then in our lives. So his message to us all today. To us, you are all light in the physical world. At times you have forgotten where you have come from and fear cripples not only your minds, but your hearts. If you looked within to seek out the light, you will connect with the light of the universe. It lives within you all. When you find this light, you will never feel alone again. We are with you. Instead of trying to find the meaning of life, you will begin to give meaning to your own life. I want to thank you all for listening to part one of this podcast. I hope it has opened up your curiosity and that you will tune in again next week where we'll be exploring more topics about this and other things in the coming weeks. And I want to thank you all. Be well and keep shining your light.